0: Our passage of scripture today is uh, taken from fourth letter to the Ephesians, as I said earlier, and it's going to be read to us by Leonie. Thank you very much, Leonie.
1: The reading is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, Putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere.
0: Thanks, Leonie. Let's just pause now again and uh, just reflect on the words of Paul that we need to put on all of God's armour to survive in the spiritual battle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Michael right, well, to to put the, today's reading of paul into into its context, we just need briefly to recap what he's been saying so far, unlike so many of his other writings, this epistle of Paul is more of a theological treatise than a regular letter in that it doesn't address any particular issue in any particular church. <clears throat> Rather Paul is using the letter to expand his reader's vision and understanding of the cosmic or spiritual dimension of God's eternal purpose and the grace as expressed in Christ and the high goals that God has set for the church. Paul opens his letter by explaining God's purpose in his plan of salvation. This plan rests on Jesus through whom our election to salvation determined by God in eternity out of his great love is made effective and who is now supreme head over all creation, both heaven and earth. Now, this great salvation, which was a mystery hidden in God, is now revealed at its appointed time. The salvation is extended out from Israel to include all peoples everywhere. Indeed, as Paul says in chapter 2 and in Romans, Israel expands to include Gentiles. And the nature of his membership shifts from ethnicity to faith. This salvation includes not only our sanctification but also the unity of all members of christ's body the church regardless of their origin having explained god's wonderful purposes paul leads into the manner in which god's people are to live this primarily involves the development of relationships in the church and in families based on mature and selfless love now throughout the letter Paul has been looking at God's work and the church and drawing attention to the spiritual and the, or the cosmic dimension, the unseen spiritual world in which all of this takes place. In one of the epistle, he writes that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms. In one ten, we learn that the Father's plan is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under the one head, Christ. In verse 11 of chapter 1, we learn that we have been predestined in accordance with for the Father's cosmic plan, and indeed we are a part of the cosmic plan. In verse 18 to 23 of chapter 1, Paul prays that our eyes might be enlightened so that we might understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put under the authority of Christ, put everything under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills everything, everywhere with himself. In chapter 2, Paul talks about the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. In chapter 3, Paul talks about the Father's purpose to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, like all of Paul's writings, this passage is set against a cultural and intellectual background that his readers would have understood extremely well. Phrases like rulers of this world or mighty powers in this dark world would have been familiar to the people of his time, who believed that hostile spirits exercised decisive control over human affairs and over human governments. Now, while their fears were not misplaced, the belief led to a fatalistic mentality in the daily lives of those people. It's been a common observation that this sort of cultural intellectual environment can produce a depressing psychological effect as it generates a sense of futility in people in their efforts to face a world which they believe is governed by powers which are completely beyond them. Now these fears, I have to say, have their counterpart in our own times. We see people subscribing to conspiracy theories that say that hidden forces are pulling the strings behind the scenes and are controlling our daily lives. These dark forces, they might be aliens, they might be the alignment of the stars and the planets, they might be the Illuminati, they might be the deep state, they might be George Soros, it might be Bill Gates. But they're all believed to operate behind the scenes working towards the realization of their evil plots to control us. Now, Paul's great message of hope is that Jesus is now far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. There are three important messages in that one simple statement. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. God has made him head over all things. And God has done this for the benefit of the church. He's done it for our benefit. Let's just pause and reflect on those truths and ask ourselves, how do they affect my outlook on what I see going on around me? Now, having understood the authority and the supremacy of Christ, we can now see that in the same passage of scripture, that God has in Christ provided the Christian with new and powerful weapons to fight these hostile spirits. The Christian now has a new freedom from their control with the assistance of weapons that are not only only defensive, but also offensive. The weapons that God provides are so powerful that as Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, Matthew 16:18. In this particular image, hell is not the final place of the lost, but rather the kingdom of Satan on this earth, where people are enslaved in superstitious error and trapped in fear and spiritual darkness. It's a revealing image, because in ancient times when a city was under siege, the gates were often the target of attack because they represented a weak point in the defences, The image that Jesus is giving us is one of hell, which is in fact under siege by the church, not the church desperately defending itself against hell. Paul opens our passage today with the words, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Different translations put this phrase in different ways. Some say be empowered or be strengthened or strengthen yourselves or draw strength from God. Now I'd like the last one as the principal idea is a bit like going to the gym. Drawing strength from God is a continuous hourly activity on the part of the believer. It means the exercise of faith. After all, one does not go to the gym once and forever after be strong, be a strong person. It's the same here. We are urged to draw strength from the Lord because in our natural state, we have no spiritual strength. By drawing strength from God minute by minute of each day, we are acknowledging a fundamental truth, that we are completely dependent upon him. In the next sentence, Paul tells us how to be strong in the Lord. Put on all of God's armor, he says. Now, God's armor is spelled out in detail in the following verses, but in summary, it consists of truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Now, these are a summary of just about all the elements that anchor the Christian life. The only one not mentioned is love, which animates the Christian's activities in the world and which binds the body of Christ together. But that is a subject that Paul has already dwelt on in earlier chapters of the epistle. Now, these are spiritual weapons because we are living in a world that has a significant cosmic or spiritual dimension and we are engaged in a spiritual battle. Paul states, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And this is an important message. The ancient Chinese writer Sun Tzu said, know your enemy. It's all too easy to fall into the trap that we are in fact fighting against fellow human beings for whom Christ died. Satan might be working through them and some of them might be his willing accomplices, but that does not alter the fact that Christ died for them. And they are God's intended target for the preaching of the gospel. Where human beings are in error, we deploy truth. Where they are evil or pursuing evil ends, we deploy righteousness. Where they are violent, we deploy peace. Know your enemy. Our enemies are the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, the mighty powers of this dark world, and the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let's just pause and reflect on on this truth for a moment and ask ourselves how this truth influences the way we look at issues in the world and in our community. the way we look at the world is through the eyes of christ who looked on the crowds with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd we don't see them as enemies or as things to or people to be feared but rather as lost people who are lost sheep without a shepherd that's my view now the image of the armor of god draws of course on the armor worn by a roman soldier But it's also a figure taken from the Old Testament where God arms himself as a warrior to defend his people. For example, in Isaiah chapter 59, we read, he was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he set himself, so he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. Now Satan operates in the world in different ways. We can see the obvious ones in strife, disorder, hatred, cruelty and oppression. We see these in many places of the world and we also see them directed against the church, against Christians. But Satan has more subtle weapons to deploy in the Western world where Theoretically, we are not superstitious, but in fact, we really are. But the kind of weapons, the kind of warfare he works at wages here, are are aimed at undermining our faith in God and our faith in God's love. He aims to undermine our confidence in the truth of God's word and in the truth of God's promises, and he aims to sow discord in among Christians and to erode our love of neighbor. This is why the armor is so important to us. We need to have truth if we are to discern lies. We need faith in God and in his promises to sustain us as Satan tries to sow uncertainty in our lives through direct personal attacks on our relationships with one another, on our health, or in other areas of our lives. We need righteousness to maintain a firm relationship with God and ensure that our witness to the world is strong through integrity. We need peace, and we need to serve peace. As strife, Satan's work only perpetuates further strife. Violence will not, or itself, produce peace, cannot. Salvation grants us that confidence about our final destiny, and ensures that we do not fear the future like so many in this world with their <coughs> futile efforts to rely on material wealth or on worldly power to insulate them from hardship and uncertainty. This confidence is itself a powerful witness to those around us. And only the proclaimed word of God empowered by the spirit can open the eyes of people everywhere to their wretched state and their need for God. It helps to understand that, like a soldier, one is only fully protected when one is wearing all the armour. Unlike the regular Roman soldier, the Christian never takes the armour off, as there is no rest, no leave, and no holidays from the Christian walk with God or from the spiritual battle in which we are engaged. In addition, where the armour of God was put on as a, the armour of the Roman soldier was put on as a completely finished product. Christians in fact grow in the armor of God as they mature in faith and wisdom and come to a more profound understanding of how they can use God's armor to best benefit themselves and those with whom they come in contact. But even more importantly, the uh, putting on the armor growing in the armor can give honor and glory to God. This is another important aspect. This is another important aspect. It brings glory to God and the image It shows us how much of the image is, in fact, something of a paradox. Just as God overcame Satan through the life of obedient submission led by Jesus on earth, culminating in his sacrificial death. So our combating of forces of darkness in the heavenly places is done with weapons of faith, submission, and obedience. Jesus was a victim of violence. He never inflicted violence on anybody else. And the same principle must apply to us. Another aspect of the paradox is that while the armor makes us invulnerable to Satan, it makes us vulnerable to others for whom Jesus died. We live in truth and integrity, not in falsehood and prevarication. We are open in love and service, and we can be hurt by others. We are open to being hurt. Mm -hmm. We are not standoffish. We're not domineering. We're not exploitative. We are not me first. We look to the interests of others. We give, we don't take. In all things, we are like Christ who gave his life for others. Our conscious use of God's armour is, as Paul says, a clear testimony to the forces of darkness in the spiritual realm of their defeat. Their hatred has been overcome by love. Their fear has been overcome by faith. Despair has been overcome by hope. Falsehood has been overcome by truth and righteousness. Arrogance and cruelty have been overcome by humility and kindness. Domination and oppression overcome by humble service. Ignorance overcome by the word of God. And separation from God has been overcome by salvation. Just as an aside, uh, in this world of conflict where strife between people within societies become common and you don't have to look very far to see it, it's on our screens every night, it is sometimes difficult to discern truth among the conflicting claims in society and the counterclaims being made. Our truth is this. And while this truth is in the heavenly realms, it has direct impacts and consequences in our physical realm. And the truth is this. Well, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. The truth is that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. The truth is that we do to others, whatever we like them to do to us. The truth is that we are to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We need to pray for discernment, to see beyond the political slogans and the talking heads that dominate the media and the blog sites. We need to ask God to let us see if there is an injustice or evil, underlying strife, underlying contention in the public sphere, if there's something that we ourselves can help address and so contribute to peace. We need to look for bedrock issues and not to be distracted by the players in the public debates and the civil strife, some of whom might be quite unpleasant people. The challenge for us in using the armour of God is to see things through the eyes of God, to pray for God's understanding, to pray that God will give us the grace that his response and actions become our response and our actions, not the responses of the flesh. It can be dispiriting to see the problems of this world apparently spiralling out of control. But among the weapons we have is truth. And that truth tells us that God is the master of history and that nothing gets away from him. Current events are part of his plan. We may find current events distressing and extremely disconcerting. We may not be seeing the outcomes we desire, but the outcomes that will come about will be the ones that god intends and it will be for our benefit and the benefit of the church with the armor of god firmly in place we can through our faith keep ourselves safe from despair and spiritual harm in these times as well we can bring glory to god by serving him in the great commission that is we share the word of god in the integrity of righteousness and in truth we announce salvation to those who are lost And we act as channels of peace in God's grace to others. We bring peace where there is no peace. The peace we bring is not the peace of the world, but the peace of the God. Peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So, in summary, what do we learn from God's word today? We learn firstly that creation includes a spiritual as well as a physical dimension. We learn that the spiritual dimension is inhabited by God, but also by spiritual forces opposed to God and who attempt to interfere with his work on this earth by making war on his church on an individual Christians. We learn that God has put Jesus in authority over all things for our benefit. Now, this truth is an enormous source of confidence for us who believe. We also learn that God has not left us helpless, but has equipped us to resist and overcome Satan. We have God's truth to enlighten our understanding. We have God's righteousness as a counterpoint to evil. We have, got, we have the peace of God through our adoption as his children, and we can extend that peace to others. We have faith, which gives us confidence in our daily living that God will do exactly as he has promised. We have salvation, which frees us from despair. And finally, we have the word of God, which instructs, comforts, and encourages us. We need to become familiar with it on a daily basis and be prepared to share it for the good news that it is with all those who do not know Christ. In this way, we attack Satan's kingdom and assist the deliverance from slavery of those people who are in it, trapped in it, who are created in God's image and likeness.